Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. So my name is Colin. I still feel like I'm pretty new a few months in now with you guys, but it's been weird in COVID season, not getting, not having the big gatherings, not having the events that we're used to, not being able to get you guys, uh, get to know you as quickly as I might otherwise have gotten to know you. So feel free to say hi to me. I'll try to talk to you when I see you. Um, my role here is as the family pastor, so I get the privilege of working with Josh and Caitlin and Big John and the family team. It's really awesome, and we're blessed to have each of those people on our team here. I want to start tonight by telling you about Uncle Cliffy. You guys don't know Uncle Cliffy, but Uncle Cliffy had a huge impact in my life, and he wasn't actually my uncle, uh, but he was a pastor that worked at a church that I worked at several years ago, and he was kind of this goofy dude. He was probably in his mid-60s when I met him. If you guys know Young Life, he has like worked for Young Life most of his career, so had spent kind of his whole life around kids, around students, um, just teaching them about the love of Jesus. And when I met him, he kind of was overseeing the team that I was working on. And some of the things that I loved about Uncle Cliffy is that he really made you feel valued. Like as someone I got to work with him, he listened really well uh, to what you had to say, to your thoughts and ideas. One of the things I loved about Uncle Cliffy is that he always reminded us, like every time we spoke, he'd say like, if we didn't mention Jesus in the message afterwards, he'd be like, where was Jesus? You're like, what do you mean? He's like, you got to get Jesus in there. Like every message somewhere, Jesus has to be in there, which was a good reminder for us in ministry to always be pointing to Jesus. And Uncle Cliffy um, probably was one of the more encouraging people I had ever known. He was always had something nice to say, always had uh, some way of encouraging you. And about he even like started this thing called 242, which was this group based on Acts 242 of all the younger staff. And he like got these older people in the church together, and they started having this time with us that we would just hang out. We would have dinners. They'd have us over for dinners, but they would also, if you know Acts 242, it's just like the early church and how it worked together to, to break bread together, to worship together, to listen to the word together, to share with each other when we had something in need. So a lot of us had like young kids. We had like stuff that would happen in our lives. For example, our washer would break down and then you would have this group where everybody would put in some money and then when someone in our group had something, a need, then that money would get used to meet that need. And so he just did all these little things like that. And I remember one day Uncle Cliffy came into our meeting. We'd have Bible study together once a week with our staff and he told us that he had just found out that he had pancreatic cancer, which seems to be a theme in my life lately because I think I told you already about another guy known that's like in his 20s that has pancreatic cancer right now but he started going through treatments we didn't know how long he would have and we ended up having a couple years more with him before he died from his cancer but when I think back on Uncle Cliffy I didn't even think about like now I'm probably it's probably eight years ago since he died I think about the impact that he still has on my life And if I would, like, describe Uncle Cliffy to you, I'd describe him as someone that was a difference maker for me. 
someone that made a difference in my life and someone who, because of that difference, is helping me to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so I want to talk tonight just about the whole idea of us, of you guys being difference makers and what that means and what it might look like according to God's word. One of the things that's true of difference makers is in order to be a difference maker, you have to actually do things different than the norm. You can't look like everybody around you and make a difference. Like in sports, if you think someone would say, like, that guy's a difference maker on the team, it's because they're putting forth more effort or they're scoring more points or they're, they have more of a leadership role. They're doing something different than all the rest of their teammates. That's what's, what makes them a difference maker. And so when we think about just living our lives for Christ and the idea of being a difference maker for him, it means that we're going to be asked to stand out from the world around us, to do things differently, to say things differently, uh, to love people differently. And so my hope tonight is, as we talk and as we look at God's word, that we will be inspired to want to be difference makers. This book actually is all about God's plan for us to be difference makers, to stand in a world, to be salt and light, to lead people to him, to show them a path out of the life that they're used to living, a way that leads to kind of hard places and destruction and to find a good life with God. And so as we get ready to dig into his word together, let me just pray for a second, ask him to speak to us through his word. God, thank you for this book. I pray tonight that more than anything that I would say, God, that you would speak through your Holy Spirit to us through your word as we look at it, as we read it together. You would speak to us through your Holy Spirit that you would help us to know what you want for our lives and to really believe that you can use us to make a huge difference in this world. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, anybody stay up and watch election stuff last night at all? Does anybody care about that stuff? So I did. I, I didn't think we were going to find out too much, but I'm just one of those people that thinks the process is interesting, so I stay up way too late, probably like 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, what am I doing? This is a bad idea. Finally went to bed. But as you guys know, like our world's been a little bit crazy lately, not just because of COVID, but because all of the racial stuff, all the political stuff. If I like the picture in my head of 2020 is like two people screaming at each other. That's like the picture. That's just how I feel like our world has been. Like nobody wants to hear from anybody. If anyone has any kind of opinion that's different from theirs, they just want to shut them down, cancel them, not let them speak. They don't want to hear it. We've kind of lost our ability to just sit down as people who value each other and have a conversation, even if we don't agree on something, to understand that we can love one another and be friends and still also disagree about something. And so I feel like that's the state that we're in. Like, this is the culture that we all sit in right now. And this is the culture that, within this culture, Jesus is asking us to, to be different, to do something different, not to be like that, not to look like everybody else around us. And I want to read uh, from the book of James. This is going to be our main text tonight. You've got your Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 1. And I just want you to listen to his words. Listen to God speak to us. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, 
put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. So the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, liberty and preserves, being no hearers who forgets but doers who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay, now I'm going to show you a video that's just a goofy example of, I think, in some ways, what James is talking about, and then we'll talk about this a little bit more. So what I was saying was I'm outside. really really fast because for whatever reason your little voicemail message thingy keeps cutting me off maybe it's because you have a cheap phone yeah i said it hey look look i see the writing on the wall i am here you invited me and i'm standing out here like some dork waiting for you huh i got stood up by a buddy what is that about this is so you this is so high school all over again you get some more important friend and me i'm left like some chump you have bad breath has anyone in your life ever told you that it stinks and you will not have me Mr. Trevor, to kick around anymore. You hear me? No more. Bro. Mailbox is full. Full of that. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, I tried to call you, but my phone was jacked up. Don't worry, the reason I'm late is I ran into this guy who was selling us tickets. You're going to love this, okay? Get this. Box seats, all-you-can-eat food, the best seats in the house. And the best part? My treat. I mean, think about it. You're my best buddy, right? I mean, what better way to say thank you than these? Hang on, I'm, I'm expecting a call. Oh, it's a message from you. Another one. Another one.
Yes. Anybody relate at all? Anybody ever get so frustrated you start getting a little bit angry? And maybe, just maybe, you say stuff that later on you're like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or you find out more information later and you're like, oh, I had that totally wrong. I kind of thought they were being mean or rude. But something else totally, like their car broke down or something. It was way different than what I thought. And now you feel guilty about what you said and about what you did. Well, we're going to focus in first just... When I think about this video, I think about verse 19 in James. This whole thing about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay. And when I think about quick to listen, the thing I think about, you don't get, like, the best example here except for the phone, right, that, like, keeps cutting him off. Every time he tries to talk, the message comes on and beeps. And sometimes I feel like I've had people in my life that are like that phone, And I don't know if you feel that way, but it's like you feel like you can't get a word in. You feel like they don't really want to listen to what you have to say. Like every time you start talking, they just cut you off with their own story or they're thinking about something else. Or you can tell like they don't really care about what you're saying. Don't know if you can relate to that, but I've had that experience quite a few times. In fact, I remember a few times just talking to people, and this will happen at church, but you'll be talking to someone and... You're looking at them, and you're telling them a story, and they're, like, if my head's here, they're just kind of like, yeah, Uh uh-huh, like, looking, you feel like they're looking for someone else in the room, or they're paying attention to something else in the room, and they have no idea what it is that you've been saying. It doesn't feel good not to be listened to. In fact, when people listen to us well, I think it helps us to feel like we have value, that they care about us, that they care about what's going on in our lives. And I think James knows that, too. He's, he's telling us the first thing we should do, the one thing he tells us to be fast to do, to be quick to do, to prioritize, is listening to people, evaluating what they have to say, evaluating their story and who they are, that we need to listen well. In fact, Jesus actually was really good at this. If you start reading through the stories of Jesus and the Gospels, you start to realize that Jesus actually asked a lot of questions. I mean, he said a lot of stuff, but when people were talking to him, or sometimes right when he came up to people and he he knew something about them, he would just start asking them questions about their life, about what was going on in their life, about what it is that they wanted him to do in their lives. And I think it gave people a sense that he cared about who they were. I think one of the ways we can do that is just to relax a little bit in conversation, not to think, this is hard because you guys are in small group together, and sometimes as students you feel like your small group leader asks a question, you're supposed to have an answer, right? And you're kind of going around the circle, and so I don't know if you would admit to this, but sometimes you're not really listening to what anyone else is in the circle saying because you're so concerned with like, I've got to have an answer, like it's, it's coming my way, I have to say something here in like 10 seconds, and if someone were to ask you, like, what did the two people in front of you say? You'd be like, I no idea. I wasn't listening. And that's, I mean, that's hard because that's just the way sometimes small groups are set up. So I'd encourage you in that setting, I don't know, maybe you ask the question and then you just give everyone, like, 30 seconds to think about their answer. And then let everyone speak. And as you're, all the people in your group are speaking, really try to listen to what they're saying. 
And in one-on-one -on -one relationships, here's what I would say. Sometimes we feel like, especially in our world today, a lot of conversations about things we disagree on. And a lot of times we feel like we have this pressure, even when we talk about sharing our faith with people or something like that, that we've got to try to argue them into believing the things that we believe or seeing things the way that we see them. And as the listener, it's actually freeing to think, you know what, I don't, I don't have to argue them into anything right now. Like My job in this conversation is just purely to listen to what they have to say, to ask good questions about what they're saying. Say, like, tell me more about that, or let me understand that better. And maybe later on you get to the conversation where you get to tell your part of the story or argue your side of the view or whatever it may be, but just to listen. And when they're done explaining the way that they feel, just say, thank you. Like, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate that. It's good to hear your perspective or to understand where it is that you're coming from. So James tells us first, number one, to listen, to listen well. And then number two, to be slow to speak. And that kind of comes back to the listening well thing. Like I said before, if you're thinking about what you're going to say next all the time, it makes it hard to listen. But the other thing is sometimes we say things that we, because we don't take time to think about it, we say things that we wish we could take back. We say things that we wish we could change. Um, this is a good example in the video, right? <laughs> that last message he finally gets through, he's telling him all this stuff, how rude he is, how it seems like he's back in high school again, how he leaves, he's ditching him as a friend, how his, his phone is all jacked up and cheap, how his breath is really bad, all that kind of stuff. And then he realizes when he shows up, he was just late because he's trying to do something really nice for him. And then he's got to break his friend's phone to try to cover up for himself, right? So listen first. Speak slowly. I remember um, when I was thinking about this, when I was a kid, probably like eight, I don't remember what my dad did, but I remember he just, he made me mad. And for some reason, this is always stuck in my head. I just picture being in my bedroom. I remember my dad being in there. I remember being angry. And I remember, it's, I think it's the only time I remember saying this to him, but I remember telling my dad, like, I hate you. I hate you. And I've always regretted that. Like, I wish I would, and that's hard as an eight-year-old to, like, you know, you just say things. Sometimes you get mad, you just say stuff, right? But it's something I always wish I could take back. And my dad's not around anymore, so I don't have the chance, like, never had the chance really to tell him, like, I didn't mean that. Like, I didn't hate you, but I know as a parent, like, sometimes when your kids say stuff, half of you is like, they're just a kid, I'm not going to take that to heart. And half of you is like, ouch, <laughs> that hurts. And so I've just always regretted, I wished that I would have been slower to speak in that situation. And, and I, that's always, I've thought about that all these years. And I think it's helped me to be slower in speaking, to think before I say something, especially when it comes to this next one, slow to be angry. Because when we're angry, that's when we tend to do things and say things that we want to take back. The th that's when we do things and say things that hurt the people that we love, that hurt the people that God's placed in our lives. Um, a few years ago, my wife pointed out to me that when I get angry or frustrated, I load the dishwasher in a really aggressive manner. <laughs> like, and I didn't really... She would say that to me, and I'd be like, 
whatever, like, that's not true. And I started thinking about it. Like, I would get mad maybe that no one put the dishes in the dishwasher. So I'd walk in the kitchen kind of like this. Well, fine, then I'll just do it attitude. And I just start, like, slamming dishes in there, like, shutting the thing really hard or whatever. She's like, what's wrong? Nothing. But it's like this real passive-aggressive kind of way of doing something. And she pointed, she probably had to point it out, like, ten times before I realized, wow, in my anger... In my frustration, even though I'm not saying anything with my words, like I'm letting my actions speak to my wife or to my kids, and it maybe didn't feel make them feel all that great. When we are angry, when we say things that hurt other people, we lose our positive influence with them. And one of the things Jesus really wants for us is to have the kind of influence in people's lives that draw them to him. And sometimes it's hard with our families, right? Because we, we feel safest around our families. We feel like we can re really let down and be who we are, which also means sometimes we're kind of our nastiest selves in front of them. Or we can be meanest because we know they're kind of stuck with us. They're going to love us anyway, even if we do that. But I would say practice this with your families and let that spill over into your other relationships with friends and people that you know at school and all that kind of stuff. I want to skip down to verse 22 real quick which is the other verse I wanted to talk about, which says this. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, and then he walks away and forgets what he looks like. It's like we get to look. This isn't really a mirror, but I think what James is talking about is we look at God's word and we see who he says that he wants us to be. And then when we don't put it into practice, it's like we just walk away from that and we totally lose our identity in who God wants us to be. We just walk off and act however we want to act and we forget that he tells us to do this. Not to do what everyone else in the world is doing, but to do what he tells us to do here. And what is it exactly that he tells us to do? There's a lot of things, right? Like if we were to go through this whole book and look at all the commands and all the things that he tells us, it would take us a really long time. But I'm going to give you the really short version because Jesus gives it to us. In Matthew 22, 36 through 40, he says this. Someone comes up, one of the, this lawyer comes up and asks him. They're trying to trap him in a sense, but we can't get into that whole story. But basically what they said was, can you tell us what the greatest commandment is? Of all the commandments, what's the greatest one? And this is what Jesus tells them. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says something pretty profound. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. So if you want to sum up everything he tells us to do in his word, to love people well, to follow his commands, it's love God with everything you are and everything you have and then love the people around you, to love. Okay, so he wants us to love. What does that look like? We're going to go to one more scripture real quick. And maybe you guys have heard the love chapter in scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. But when we think about loving, I want you to just picture yourself and think of, would this be a good descriptor, descriptor of you? He starts like this. First, he, he kind of goes into like what's important. And, but 
These things, all that he lists are important, but without love, he tells us they're not really all that important if you don't have love as a part of them. So he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not love, I have nothing. And if I give away all I have and deliver my body up to be burned, like if he makes all the best sacrifices, the most extreme sacrifices, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he gives us this incredible description of love. He says, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing or rejoice, it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then he goes on to say, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Then he says, this is what I think about sometimes our world, the way we yell at each other and like don't listen to each other. And I, I feel like we act like kids. And that's what I was thinking about when I read this. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up my childish, childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been known fully. And then he closes with this. So now faith, hope, and love abide. That's what we have left. These three. But the greatest of these is love. So you want to be a difference maker in your world? Do you want to be a difference maker in your school? Do you want to be a difference maker in your family? Do you want to stand out and be someone different? Be the person God's calling you to be? Really, what God's telling you to do is focus on loving him the best you can and loving and valuing those people that he places around you in your family, in your friend group, on your teams, in your school, the random people that God brings into your life on a daily basis or those that cross your path. Like, how can you treat those people differently than everyone else is treating them? How can you listen to them differently than everyone else is listening to them? How can you speak words encouraging words, different kinds of words than maybe they're hearing from the other people in their life. He tells us to love well, and I think the great place to start is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for your word. Thank you that when we open it, you speak to us. Thank you that you have a calling on our lives that is so much greater than sometimes we even think. And that's true for us as middle schoolers and high schoolers, not just when we're adults. I just pray that you would give the students in this room a vision for how you want to use them. A vision for when they allow you to work and love people through their lives, the difference that they can make. And I just pray even this coming week that you would help them to practice, to think about 
as they get in a situation where maybe they start to get frustrated or they start to get angry about something that you would bring this back to their mind and that they would be quick to listen to God, that they would be slow to speak and that they would be slow to anger and that their life would be defined by the kind of love that you show us through the sacrifice that you made for us, the grace that you've given us, even though we don't deserve it. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So um, before we go to groups, uh, how many of you guys were here on Sunday? Sunday morning for First Famous Sunday upstairs. So Aaron said something that we had kind of been implementing. We just didn't have language for it yet. He said um, that we are a church of one Bible but many voices. And so we've been trying to put people in front of you. And so I preached on Sunday, and Colin's going to preach in a few weeks. Um, and we're, we've been doing that here. Myron has spoken. Um, we've had a few people come in and uh, do that. However, this Sunday I won't be here. Um, Cooper is going to preach on Sunday morning, so I want you to be praying for him. On Wednesday night, Reagan Reynolds is going to be preaching for us, and we're excited for that. The next Sunday, Molly George, our student intern, is going to be preaching for us. Um, and so if, if you, during the next few days or weeks or whatever, if they just kind of come across your mind, just pray for them. Um, they have their series. They have the things they're going to talk about. We've sat down. We've gone over outlines and all these different things. Uh, but I say that to say this. If the Lord is putting something on your heart, if there is something that he is just stirring in you, we have no desire to quench your voice. We have no desire to quench your influence. We want to give you a platform to learn to share your faith. So if there's something that's been speaking to you or anything like that, uh, we, we, want you, we want you to have it. Like, we want to let the youth have it. So um, before we go to groups, I just want you to know there will be different people that you'll be hearing from. You don't need to hear from me and Caitlin all the time. Um, and so just be praying for them the next few days um, as we have Cooper and then Reagan and then Molly. Um, and then I will be back with us on the next Wednesday night. So two Wednesdays from now, I'll be here. But um, have a good time at groups. We love you. Um, if you guys are feeling something on your spirit or whatever, tell your small group leaders and they'll let us know. So have a good night.